Macarion to Stokes, who's onside! Welcome to another episode of the Saints FC podcast. Um, we're back after a little break. Um, Tom's got some rather exciting uh, personal news. I don't know if he wanted to go on that, on, uh, get get onto that on the podcast or not. But well, I, I, I wouldn't want to disappoint any female listeners. But uh, I'm now engaged. Yeah. Well, congratulations, <laughs> Thank Tom. Thank you very much, John. Um, Obviously, uh, the the best way to get an invite to Tom's wedding party uh, next year is to get onto iTunes and leave a, a wonderful review to the Saints uh, FC podcast. Um, you know, five star reviews might get you a place at the top table. Four star reviews probably get you in. You know, evening you know evening yeah. guests. It's it's, an, it's a descending order of um, of hospitality, but. You know, I can promise a five-star review will be well worth your while. Okay, excellent. Um, so, you know, big shout-out to Dunners82. He gave us a five-star review on iTunes. Thank you very much for doing that. Um, also, Binbot as well gave us a nice review. Um, the Ugly Inside Boys have been on, um, along with a few others, Nick Paulin, um, Pete Saint Nine, Daniel O'Connor. Anyway, we really enjoy reading the reviews. Also, some of you have put a few tips on how we can improve the podcast. You can do that in the reviews and tweets. Uh, you can email us, saintsfcpodcast at gmail.com. Or if you want to get in contact with us on Twitter, it's at saintsfcpodcast. Now, because it has been a little while since we last spoke, Tom, we've got an awful lot of ground to cover. Rattle through this. Yeah. So let's start off um, with Saints' trip to Anfield. So last season we played Liverpool four times. Um, we beat them twice, I think. We didn't concede a single goal in the four matches. Um, Liverpool this season, they are a different prospect to how they were last season. Um, Mohamed Salah is looking like an absolute weapon yeah, of a terrifying. player, isn't he? Um, And... Saints went into this game in some pretty rough form. You know, if you follow the kind of Saints FC um, hashtag on Twitter, you can see that the manager was getting a lot of pelters. We even had a bit of a Pellegrino out uh, campaign on Twitter going on. Um, some fans were, were calling for the manager's head. And I think after that 3-0 loss to Liverpool, a lot of Saints fans would have been looking at that and feeling like, well, some, something's really, really got to change here. It was awful, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it's probably the lowest point of the seat. I mean, Wolves uh, runs it a, a close run thing. I mean, I, Liverpool are really good and they're going to steamroll a lot of people. But I think it was the first time in a number of years that people had questioned Saints' effort. And yeah. that's why I think what really stung. I, th I think the players were aware were aware of it as well. I think they came off and they realised that they had been schooled in quite a big way. Perhaps before this match, 
uh, and including, in fact, this match, the, the Saints players have kind of been cruising through the season a little bit. I, I don't think we've necessarily seen a really big effort. I think they've got confidence in their own ability and they thought they could just kind of cruise through the season, do okay. Well, I, th- I think they took the negativity from the Burnley game, which I, I, was the last game I was at, and it very like hostile from quite early on and then particularly obviously from when Burnley scored. And I think that this was kind of the, the, the nadir of, of Saints season. Um, for me, you know, we're seeing good teams get absolutely hammered by Liverpool, but again, it was the effort. And I think that's what really scared people is have we kind of lost that spirit? And, um, yeah, I think it was quite a worrying, worrying time. So really for the, for the next game, who who better for your opponents could you have than an Everton that were floundering? Um, they were having kind of manager problems. Um, you know, they they didn't they got rid of Cumin uh, as we know, but they hadn't actually replaced him. We still had David Unsworth. It would have they, been that was the only way it could have been any better if Cumin had still been in charge. Yeah, that I mean that would have been really quite wonderful, but. Saints didn't only just kind of go to Everton and just like scrape a result or play reasonably well. They actually went and and they they played fantastically well against Everton. I, I think we saw with Charlie Austin, we'll talk about Charlie Austin a lot. It's inevitable, but I think he's given the team a real focal point, a real yeah. impetus. Um, we were saying earlier that we've, for, we're a team that for a number of years, really from Ricky Lambert onwards, we've played with a big target man. Um, and I think some of our best footballs have been played with a big target man. And I think against um, Everton, you saw what a player of Charlie Austin's calibre can do. He he rattles people. He gets in people's faces. Uh, people don't like it. And it was it was a really great performance with brilliant goals. Yeah, that, I mean, those two Charlie Austin headers I really, really enjoyed. Um, but actually the, the goal which I most enjoyed, and, and I think, this might surprise people because Stephen Davis had a very tidy finish. But Tadic's goal was really, really nice. I really liked it. It was very clever how he moved it from his right foot to his left and just slid it into the into the bottom corner. All in a, in a split second. Well, when I first saw it, I thought, I didn't get it. I thought he'd scuffed it. Because you watch it from the angle, sort of from the left-hand side, yeah. so where the where the play comes from, it looks like he scuffs it. And then only when you see it from behind, do you see this really deft change of feet uh, just to, just to do enough to get it past Pickford but it, what was brilliant with that goal as well is it actually my favourite bit was Buffal tackling back at left back knocking the young uh, Everton player off the ball and with a brilliant pass or sort of dissecting three Everton players to get the move going it, it kind of showed for me how far Buffal has come this year uh, in terms of his effort and how he's bulked out he, he he's improved a lot Buffal and um I remember in, in games last season when we bring him on with like 60, 70 minutes or whatever. And it's just kind of like, well, you kind of know he's not. I mean, okay, so he can change the game. There's the potential, but it's going to be really, really, really frustrating. And the only way that he's going to change the game is if he does an individual piece of brilliance, which we saw twice last season. We've seen once this season, but now he's contributing something to the team in terms of like, he can pick up the ball, he can run with it. He can hold up the ball. He can tackle, he can start a move. There's a lot more to Buffal now, isn't there? Yeah, and I think we saw a little bit of the old Buffal against Bournemouth where maybe I think you tried a bit too hard, but what he's not doing now is always trying to beat four or five people. He's just using the ball very intelligently. He's definitely been in the gym. Um, he said recently that he spent four weeks over the summer when he could have been on holiday uh, practicing. He looks bigger. He looks stronger. He looks more suited to the physical attributes of, of the British game. Yeah, and another player I think we need to talk about in the 
uh, win against Everton is Pierre-Emile Hoiberg. Who? He has not been around all season. Yeah, I mean, totally coming from the cold. Um, to be honest, having seen Saints play in this season with Stephen Davis, with Mario Lamina, with Romeo, with James Ward-Prowse, with Tadic, um, Redmond, I mean, there's lo- we've got loads and loads and loads of players in midfield. Mm. Lots of them can play in the centre as well. And I didn't really see there being much of a, a position for him in this Saints squad. It's certainly not around kind of re- regular starts in the first team. Well, they look for a time that where you would just kind of see Romeo and Lamina and, you know, that's kind of holding midfield role to destroyers. But, you, you know, you don't go to Bayern Munich at, what is like, you know, 18 and play lots of games under Pep Guardiola. Um, you don't play like 35 games for the Danish national team by the age of 22 unless you are a really, really good footballer. And he shows um, a great engine. He's got brilliant vision of passing. What we've not seen is goals. Um, but he appears to kind of galvanise the team a little bit. It's really exciting. I, I think that was um, the best performance I've seen of Pierre-Emile Hoiberg um, so far was the game against Everton. And it's funny, you know, you look at a game where it's a 4-1 win, Charlie Austin's got a brace, you get, you're looking to the attacking players for saying, right, well, these are, the, these are your potential for the man of the match. But uh, for me, it was him. Yeah, well, you need to have unsung heroes. So yeah. Stephen Davis is, you know, at Saints, we've got Stephen Davis, who is the archetypal unsung hero footballer. Uh, you know, other teams might look at him and sort of say, well, how does he, you know, what does he bring to the game? But when you watch them week in, week out, you realise what he does and... Saints have pace in Redmond uh, and slightly less extent with Taddick, but certainly with Bertrand and with Cedric. And we need people who can recycle that ball and get it quickly out of defence and onto attack. And Hoiberg does that. I thought he, he did the kind of perfect box-to-box midfielder performance. He was strong in the tackle, great with the passing, really good touch, really good vision. And yeah, you're right. He was recycling the ball you know, from attack, from defence to attack. And Saints just look really, really good with him kind of putting the strings there in the middle. It helped that Everton were ragged They're all over the place, but um, you still got to beat them. And what we, you know, we've seen uh, with Allardyce now, um, it's the same players, and they're turning it around a little bit. Yeah. Everton, so yeah, well played to everyone there for the, for a great result. Yeah, um, Sigurdsson won the goal again. He always just does it every time, doesn't he? Yeah. We'll come to someone else who does it against us every time shortly. Yeah. Um, so next, we're heading up to the Etihad. This was a this was a free hit, as far as I, I was concerned. Anything you know better than a four nil loss to Manchester City? I think cricket you, score was the fear. Yeah, um, we played again really well. Yeah, it, it it was very much a kind of like everyone behind the ball, kind of I suppose a blitz spirit type, gung ho. Yeah, I think it's. What we've seen, I think the Liverpool point, it's a, it's a good way to start the podcast with the Liverpool game because it was, I think, the low point of the season. And then we can talk about going onwards and upwards. What we've seen in it with the particular Man City game is people stop questioning, um, and definitely now the Arsenal game, stop questioning Pellegrino's tactical nous. Um He was kind of widely derided for uh, the sort of lineup before the Man City game. And Pep Guardiola coming out and saying Southampton should attack more. Well, if you attack more away at Manchester City, you lose six or seven nil. That's they want you to attack. I don't, I think we should get on to Pep. I mean, that is the most ludicrous thing to say. He was really annoyed because Saints had almost 
burst his his bubble. The fraud. Yeah, uh, it was. The, I, I think Saints. I think Pellegrino got it absolutely spot on. You don't go to Man City and try and play attacking football. Well, you can't go to Man City and try and be Man City. No, I mean they they are arguably the best club team in in Europe at the moment. I mean certainly in the Premier League. They're, it's they're fair the, to say them and Bayern Munich. I I think they're the best team that um, I've seen since the Arsenal Invincible side, and and potentially they could be. And they have goals from everywhere. Yeah. Even Ottoman. I mean Ottomendi, what like five goals in Premier yeah. League now. But but Saints, you know, who couldn't buy a goal, you know, a few weeks ago, we actually got a goal against Man City. And a bloody good goal as well. Um, yeah, Romeo. Although I do fear that if he was any further away from the goal, he would have actually skied that. It, I mean, he get it he managed to get it right into the roof of the net from about six yards out. Just yeah, and Yoshida as well. God, we could have had two goals against we, Manchester City. And Hoyt. Hoyt's yeah. was probably arguably the easiest. Um, yeah. But for for uh, the goal, uh, Romero's goal, what brilliance. I think it's kind of been lost now because we lost, but what brilliance for Buffal. Oh, the touch was magic. It just pulls out of the sky, leaves Delph for dead. It, fantastic. It was, it, was a, it was a beautiful thing to watch, that that touch from Buffal. You know, there's, there's loads and loads of positives here. I think... Um, you know the the goal from Sterling. These things happen. It was it was devastated to concede so late on. Actually, I think Van Dijk's own goal. There's there's more questions to be asked from that. You know, I think that's the kind of goal that we should be able to defend against. Yeah, it's tricky. I mean, De Bruyne is is up there, probably one of the best players in Europe at the moment. Um, it's a clever free kick, and you know there is a there is an argument to say it maybe is a bit symptomatic of a van dyke that is coasting a little bit and is a little bit not as on it as he was pre-injury mm. and whether that's because he wants to leave or whether because he's still not fit or he's still not up to the pace i don't know um but it, it did seem a little bit careless from him i don't think he's operating at 100 percent at the moment van yeah, that's fair to say i i think the van dyke uh pre-injury last season Okay, yeah. I mean, we still conceded goals when Van, like, we managed to kind of build him up, I think, in our heads whilst he was out injured that, oh, well, if Van Dyke was here, we would never concede any of these goals. Of course, we conceded goals when he was in the team. But there are, there's certain goals like that one where, where he got the angle. Also, kind of thing like the Giroud goal. Um, yeah. Uh, the most inevitable goal in the history of inevitable goals. Exactly. Yeah. And I think those, those are the kind of goals that we, we should perhaps be defending. So, we lose 2-1. It was a really, I think, good performance, a clever way of playing. I think you're right, Pellegrino, tactically spot on. Um, Saints had gone from having all this possession and being very, very ineffective into this match being a team that you know weren't ever going to have much possession, but being quite effective. The fact that Romeo did score a goal, that Yoshida had a good chance, that Hoot had a really good chance... Um, you know, we, we potentially could have scored three goals at the yeah. Etihad. That tells you, you know, without, I, I don't even know what the possession stats were, but it, it was, they were all I, th- over us. I think they were about 70% possession yeah. Man City. So if you can get three really, really good chances for scoring a goal when you have very little of the ball, that shows you being effective. That's good tactics. Yeah. And I think again, it, tactically he was, he was spot on. He, he realized that you can't go and play Man City at Man City's game. Um, yeah, he's getting it. I think we're kind of seeing the 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 reconnaissance of uh, of Pellegrino. 
Man, it's about time, isn't it? Attack. <laughs> um, Pep Guardiola and Nathan Redmond. It's this weird. was really bizarre. It's wasn't weird. It? Tom, I mean, just in case there's any Saints fans that have somehow managed to avoid this, tell us you know, what, what did you see on the pitch when this happened? Well, you saw like a very distraught, not distraught, but like a very upset Saints team who had come very, very close to doing something that only one other team had done all season. Trudge off the pitch, you know, jubilant Man City. Man City players, like people have lost legs and are like running onto the pitch. And he, you know, poor Redmond sort of just trudging off. And I don't know, Guardiola is just in his face, like screaming at him, like spit flying everywhere. And, you know, Redmond does this thing where he kind of puts his hand over his mouth to reply. So he does it all very dignified. It's, mm. it's a wonder that Redmond just didn't smack him. But yeah, I think it's just such a weird reaction. I just don't get it. It's... It's strange, isn't it? It's, it's almost kind of like, I think we got that close to robbing points off Man City, you know, for the first time since Everton did it earlier in the, in the season. And I think Pellegrino must have really felt this was a, a big slight on him because the manager, basically, um, it's not Pellegrino, it's, uh, Guardiola. Pep Guardiola felt like, you know, Pellegrino's outsmarted him because he kind of had. Yeah, I mean, you if know, you look at their play, I mean, they've got goals in every, yeah. got ridiculous attacking talent. And um, so I think Pep's feeling quite on edge at this point. He gets the really exciting victory. Uh, but then that, that spilling of emotion and launching it at Nathan Roman, who admittedly he did have a fantastic game at the Etihad last season. Yeah, he tore him to pieces. But um, I think that was what he was saying. He was saying, you know, you've got to play that game. But part of being a footballer, I imagine, is being tactically disciplined. And yeah. if you want to look at what happens when they're not, look at Benteke. On yeah. Saturday, look at, you know, he takes that ball off Mihailovic, who is the designated penalty taker, and he misses. Yeah. And that is, in a, that's a form of indiscipline. Um, and, and, you know, Redmond, if Redmond hadn't been disciplined and maybe hadn't trapped back, we might have lost three or four. Yeah. It, it, they have to kind of be disciplined. And, it, and it's really, of course, Pep wants you to go to the Etihad and try and play football, because if you go and try and play football at the Etihad, you you will get beaten by them because yeah. Manchester City are the best footballing team in the country at the moment. Easily. And, and last season they weren't so much. Yeah, no, well, last season as well, they looked weak at the back. Yeah. Um, this season they, they you know, Otto, players like even Otamendi have stepped up. I mean, they also had a goalkeeper that can stop shots last year, which is... Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, they, they look nailed on. Yeah. If you have any money that's not in Bitcoin, then put it on Man City. I think it's too late for that, Tom. <laughs> I mean, the odds are just going to be... Um, yeah, you know, there's going to be practically no point there. Right, so let's let's move on. I think after the Man City performance, we have Bournemouth next. Um, I think probably most of us were hoping that we would go to Bournemouth and and win this one. Have, yeah. Having shown a bit more resolve, having beaten Everton, having had such good performance at Man City, you want to go to Bournemouth and win, don't you? But Bournemouth are no mugs, and they'd won three on the bounce before losing against Burnley, who are also very good, uh, particularly away from home. Um, so I did think there was maybe a sort of sense of, I think Saints fans thought this would be easy and I don't really know why anyone thought it would be easy. Um, you know, plus points. Um, some of the players played really well. I think Charlie Austin's goal was excellent. Um, Redmond, when he came on, looked good. Negative points. Hoyt's, uh, my dad, I was watching the going with my dad and my dad said, uh, you look at Hoyt, he's done that twice. Yeah. He's going to get caught. Yeah. And he, he did. Um, he was showing a little bit of um, uh, Arta Burrich about him there, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. And Pierre not being back. Yeah. That, I don't know what Pierre was doing. I think we've missed Suarez. 
um, a little bit. Um, but positive. I mean, I think if we can, if we, we can draw away games, that's yeah. good. Yeah, that is good. I mean, and, and also coming back from one 0 down. Yeah, let's think about earlier. And we should have. We should have won as well. I think yeah. earlier on the season, Saints go one 0 down, and I would be convinced that was it. It's all over for us. We we had no spirit or fight earlier on the season. Something has changed over the past um, few weeks. Just, I mean, if Charlie Austin, I almost think that ball was too good for Charlie Austin for mm. the header towards the end. But again, it was a resilient performance. The team spirit looked good. Um, players that were been out of form, like Bertrand, are suddenly looking very, very good again. Fraser Forster's looking good. There's reasons to be cheerful after yeah. the Bournemouth game. Yeah, and and I think you're right as well about um, Nathan Redmond's ha- had a good game against Bournemouth. Does he come on at half time? He came on half time for for a, a, an invisible James Ward Prowse, yeah. um, who the game totally passed by. All you can do if your Redmond is come on and, and make an impact, and he, he set up the goal with a very clever cross, um, and he looked troublesome. Sooner or later, I mean, this doesn't mean anything, but I was playing FIFA the other night, and Redmond's got a hat trick. So <laughs> you wait, this is coming. Oh dear, I think we're going to start clutching at straws if we're going to start talking about FIFA performances. Um, what I I guess it's quite interesting here that there's some quite unusual things happening here. So, like Redmond having quite a good game, Ward Prowse getting hooked at half time. You think kind of Ward Prowse getting hooked at half time probably means he doesn't get into the starting lineup against Arsenal, but he does. Um, and you know, obviously Pied. He's been binned for for his mistake, and the yeah. same with Hoot as well. But good, I, I think Pierre Pierre did look very good. But Pierre, um, one of the great things about Cedric is he's really good attacking. He's also very good at defending, and he's very strong. And I like the way he kind of. There's a great moment against Everton where Pierre just throws uh, Sigurdsson out of the way uh, to create a chance. But Pierre just looked a little bit, as you'd expect for someone who's not played any football all season, just mm. off the, off the races. And obviously, we knew against Arsenal we need someone who's very tactically disciplined. Um, so yeah, Ward Prowse looked very very good against Arsenal. Yeah, he looked like the player they got in the England squad. He did. Um, so let's move on to yesterday, Sunday. Um, I think most people listen to this on Tuesday or Wednesday. So yeah, Sunday against yep. Arsenal. Um, midday kickoff. Never twelve. Is that even a thing? Oh, it shouldn't be. Should it? it? Sounds like old men, but it just shouldn't be allowed. I remember back in the old days, Everyone when football had... used to happen at three p.m. on that a Saturday it. afternoon. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that that little. How old are you now, Tom? After your birthday, uh, thirty-six. Now. Thirty-six. Yeah. yeah. Sad times. Time's moving on. Well, I can barely remember the game from Sunday, to be honest. Yeah. Um, well, the good news is I can. <laughs> so, um, we had the game against Arsenal. I was feeling a little bit more confident about, about this game. I actually thought we might get something out of it at the start. I didn't expect we would start quite as well as we did, though. Straight from the off. Flyer. Oh, it was absolutely brilliant. And Charlie Austin started that game absolutely brilliant. So it's like a it's man a, possessed. Yeah, so the build-up to that goal, he wins the header from the throw-in. Great um, pass. Yeah, he, he does a great pass. Links up with Tadic brilliantly. He makes the run into the box. Tadic is looking over towards his left, maybe looking like he's going to push it out to his left foot and take a shot. The Arsenal players are definitely not not seeing what he's just about to do. Yeah. Which is do this incredible no look reverse kind of pass thing. Reverse pass through ball uh for Charlie Austin to run onto 
One touch, tears himself up lovely, and then just dinks it past check. That's what Tadic should be doing. Like, he's so talented. This is why Saints fans get angry at Tadic, is because they know that he is so, so talented. And, we, you know, he's starting to, to weigh in with assists now. But that kind of no-look reverse pass um, is exactly why he is there. And he was he was brilliant for a lot of the game. You know, he, he created a lot of chances. It's the kind of thing that he does for Serbia more regularly than he does for Saints, despite mm. the fact he plays for Saints about 10 times more regularly than he does for Serbia. Yeah, it was it was... Just it's what you have him there for. I just he's such a clever player, and I, you know, we spoke earlier about this, but I do think we're better playing with a big target man. We've we've tried to change the way we play. We tried to we brought in Gabbiadini, who's a fantastic player, but you know this kind of subtle off the shoulder thing. Um, but maybe our style of play is better suited to a big lad up front, and you know you can hold the ball up and can barge people out of the way. And Tadic looks like a man revitalized because of it. it- he really looked like he was enjoying his football on Sunday, I thought. Yeah. I, I think he look, he looks like he wants to contribute. He's now, you know, he scored a goal against uh, Everton. Um, he looks more like he's up for it. And, and he is such a clever, tricky player. Yeah. And, uh, and building up to the World Cup as well, I suppose he, he probably wants to be in good form going into that. Yeah, I he's mean, 28, so he's got one more big move probably left in him. Yeah. Oh, do you think he's looking for a move? I, I kind of I think, think they're he's... all looking for. Everyone's looking for a move, aren't they? What from Saints? Yeah. No, but they, I mean, you have got to be realistic. If he goes and has a really good World Cup, yeah. Um, I suppose. Yeah, you're right. He could. Get he a, could go yeah. to like one of the big Italian clubs, and and you know, and why not? Um, but he looked really good, and it was a great assist, and it was one of a number of really clever chances that he created on Sunday. And it, so we've just watched back the um, highlights once again, just have another look, just to agonise uh, over the, the missed chances as well. But those first 10 minutes, Tadic and Austin were just going for it, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, hell for leather. Austin getting caught offside a couple of times when perhaps he shouldn't have done. Um, we, we, we think, we know, it's not rocket science, but it's because he's a big lad and he, yeah. uh, he needs to maybe take a step before running because he can't outrun people yeah and I, th- I think Austin is you know perhaps a couple of beers a week less maybe half an hour extra in the gym more um, perhaps a slightly more refined diet away from being a really really classy player well, he scores goals. They give him chances. He scores all types of goals. Yeah. Um, he's a really, they can build that team around him. He, it, we were, you know, it'd be interesting with he plays on Wednesday because obviously he put in a really good shift, 86 minutes. And I think, yeah. um, he said after the Everton game, that was the first time in like 18 months he'd played more than 80 minutes of football since I think one of the first games of the Claude Puel reign. Wow. So, um, we'll see, but I think that he, looks uh excuse the pun hungry um yeah he he looks like he wants to score goals and for all the he might not be technically the most gifted footballer but he's you give him chances he will score goals do, do you know what i think a little bit about charlie austin at the moment he's almost a bit like ricky lambert when he first joined the saints mm. so when ricky lambert first joined the saints from bristol Rovers. My God, he could score goals. He was an incredible finisher. You could give him the ball, he would score a goal. The rest of his play wasn't 
wasn't quite there yet. And it took him maybe a season, maybe a season and a half to start to get up to fitness, start to kind of develop the other parts of his game, start to kind of develop the awareness around the, the Saints side, start linking up well with people, players like Lalana, yeah. um, Richard Chaplay, um, you know, other players Bernard, that, that were ahead at the time. Yeah. And I think Charlie Austin is, is perhaps not far off that. He's, He's always got the goal scoring ability. I remember him scoring against us with QPR and with Swindon like, Town like as well. Touch, didn't they? He had like one half chance against us with QPR. And yeah. Um, so we we know he's got goals in him, and I mean the last what four or five games that has he got four goals in five games? Now, yeah. So he got two against Everton, one against Arsenal, uh, and one, one against, against Bournemouth, Bournemouth yeah. to add to his two at the start of the season. Um, yeah, he looks great and. He he looks really up for it. And I think if we can get him through this very congested run of games, um, but looking at, uh, you know, we'll look at Wednesday in a bit, but, it, you know, if he's in the team, I think he lifts the crowd. Yeah. And people want to see his name on the team sheet. It's, it's also great to see him enjoy scoring and the celebrations and, yeah, bring a bit of fun back to St. Mary's, yeah, you know? I agree with that. And I think he... He gives, you know, maybe there is something of that every man about him. Yeah. Like Ricky when he first joined that people can kind of relate to. Yeah. Um, yeah, he clearly likes, likes a beer. He likes his horses. Yeah. You know, great for him. And uh, as long as he's scoring goals, who cares what he does? Yeah. Um, also, I, I do like a football player with a beard. Tom, you're aware of a beard. I'm aware of a moustache. There's not enough facial hair in football. There's there's too many silly haircuts like Pogba. And not enough silly facial not hair. Not enough haircuts. facial hair. But I think <laughs> I think maybe Charlie and I have facial hair for a similar reason. It's to hide our excess chin yeah. uh, capacity. Um but yeah, I like I like Charlie. I think he looks like a he looks like a good time good time Charlie. Yeah. Um so let's talk about some other players uh and also a little bit about the taxi. So my brother kind of messaged me and he was just like, Jack Stevens playing right back kind of question mark. And I was like, well, actually, no, I think he's playing as part of a back three and James Ward Prowse playing right wing back. And then I looked at the pitch again. And I was like, oh no, he is in right back. And then I looked at the pitch again. Oh no, he is in central defense. Yeah. Saints did something which I've not seen many teams do, but they switched between a back four and a back five effortlessly effortlessly and it, it was it was confusing enough for me as a fan watching kind of understanding what the players attributes are like and stuff like that jack stevens was brilliant at he it. looked like he not only did he look very comfortable in that system and and credit to ward prowse as well he would kind of drop back as the auxiliary right back when we were under pressure which obviously was quite a lot um but he looked so comfortable on the ball. He was a revelation. Uh, you forget he's only 23 and you almost think, well, we need to find a space for Jack Stevens in that team because he looks so cool and calm and yeah. collected. And maybe training with Van Dyke has, has kind of, you know, will rub on, off on him a little bit because he just looks so um, intelligent. Um, you know, he still needs work in the air, but as a kind of ball playing centre back, he looks up there. Uh, and not only that, He'd obviously been given a task of keeping a very close eye on Sanchez, who is one of the, the best players the, in the Premier League. One at, of those skillful, the tricky, he's, nightmare he, players. He's always one of those players. When when you're playing against him as a fan, you're always fearful when he well, gets the ball. Well, we were at Arsenal. We were at uh, St. Mary's last year for the yeah. Wednesday night game against Arsenal. And uh, we were all over Arsenal. And um, they get the ball to Sanchez. And Sanchez does a little shimmy. Puts, I think, Yoshida and Stevens both on their respective asses and scores. Yeah. But a much, much better 
performance from Stevens this time around. Sanchez was kept quiet for nearly all the game till about the 97th minute when he managed to get a cross in. Yeah, there was lots of there was lots to like about the performance. Uh, I thought Ward Prowse looked great, and there was that bit at the end where Ward Prowse dinks it over. I think was it Sanchez? Someone's head. And, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, they, they looked like really full of confidence. There was a lot to like, but again, we you know, we spoke earlier about the tactical savviness of Pellegrino, and what I hope now is that Saints fans will really get behind him. And when they look at that team sheet, when it's announced at two o'clock on the on the Twitter feed, it's not groans of <laughs> if it's not Moroccan plastic Moroccan fans that say like no Bufal, uh, no Bufal, no party, no Bufal, no watching, no party. Uh, you know, if, but hopefully they'll be more behind the team. Yeah. Like, like, he knows what he's doing, and against Arsenal, we very much saw that. I mean, when that team lineup was announced, it was just like I just couldn't, I just couldn't fathom how the how the squad was going to line up. I like held it upside down. I was like trying to work it out. Yeah. Is Forster playing at left back? Like what's going on? Um, but it worked. It yeah. really worked. And actually we didn't have a rigid formation. No. And I think if other managers do that, if Guardiola does that, then everyone's like, oh, Guardiola is a genius. You know, or if Wenger does that, or, you know, Pochettino. Yeah. But. I, I, I suppose the problem here is that we're starting to see uh, Pellegrino's tactical now we haven't quite got to the point where we're getting the results yet say so, I mean this has been a really positive chat through five games at the end of the day we've got five points from those five games yeah but uh, how much did we expect to get we, we didn't expect anything out of Man City no. we probably you know every didn't, Saints fan would have snapped their hand off to get a one all at Arsenal against Arsenal we would have loved to have beaten Everton Bournemouth away yeah, we've come within a, certainly in the last sort of four games. I think the Liverpool game is an anomaly. We've just got to move mm. on and forget about it. Salah is going to do that to everyone this year. He's going to do it to bigger, better teams than us. Look at the last four games. We were one ninety-sixth minute uh, wonder strike away from picking up uh, six points. Yeah. Um. So earlier today, I spoke to Michael Svensson, the legend. Yeah, killer. As he was that, known. Le- the word legend is bandied around too much in football, but uh, uh, but Marcus Mason is genuinely a legend. Now, he, he watched the game uh, yesterday on television, so he's in Sweden at the moment. He's not, not what, down What does he do? Or do you, I guess I don't want to ruin the next podcast. But. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, listen into the next podcast. Yeah, please and do. You can, you can find out, Tom. Um, but he, he reckoned Giroud wouldn't have got that goal if he was in the centre of defence. He reckoned he'd have pinged it out with his head. And this, I think, maybe we've got to call into question my Yoshida. Yeah, I think it, it goes to show how big modern footballers are and how strong they are. Because um, Yoshida is, what, six foot? Um, he's no, you know, he's not like me. He's not a half pint. Um, but he, we've seen a few times this season, Glenn Murray uh, did it against Cedric, with Cedric Suarez. Yeah. Um, I'm trying. Sam Vokes did it against Yoshida, and it's a it's a really obvious tactic, which is the big centre back, mm. uh, the big centre forward, um, just gets away from Van Dyke. And the quality of players now, particularly someone like Giroud, who it was almost inevitable he would score the moment he came on. Um, you know, it does look to me like Yoshida kind of misjudges the flight of the ball somewhat. Yeah. Um, and, and we were talking earlier, and, and I was surprised at the time that as soon as Giroud started to warm up and come on. I'm very surprised because they were always going to go route one. Yeah. Very surprised that we didn't see Hoyt come on for Yoshida just to give us literally an extra four inches of height. Yeah. Um, Because I think had that been Hoyt instead of Yoshida, I don't think 
uh, I don't think Giroud would have got that header. Yeah, I, don't, I, I think he was kind of on the he was on the naughty step, wasn't he, for his mistake against Bournemouth. I think Pellegrino, as a central defender, probably has a lot of pride in that in that position and um, who wasn't going to get away with his mistake at Bournemouth. And, and although I, I agree that you're right. Also, I do wonder if this is something that if we keep hold of a manager for a bit longer, then they're going to understand, they're going to know, you know, what, what the tactics are of these teams that, cause we've all, we've all seen it before. You, you know, knew with, what was with our, we knew exactly what was going to happen. Um, and it's a shame that, you know, Pellegrino doesn't perhaps have someone in his team that has been around a little bit longer that can say, oh, right, they've just thrown on Giroud. Actually, Yoshida's not going to be big enough and strong enough against him. We need to get Hoot on. Well, they, they, it's the same against Burnley. Yeah. Uh, the Burnley game, you know, 70 minutes, uh, Sean Dyke chucks on another set, chucks yeah. on another forward and it, it totally threw Saints. And you wonder, yeah, is there someone more tactical now. So that's why people like Sammy Lee have been around forever yeah. and will be around forever is because they bring that level of just that extra suggestion, which can only make the difference maybe yeah. four or five points. Over the I, I, I think perhaps that's what, what we're missing on the bench. Um, I think Eric Black seems to have gone, doesn't he? I don't know. Is he, he was a bit controversial, obviously. Yeah. The I mean, not not stuff, a popular but... choice. I mean, he was, there was Aston Villa got, relegated he uh yeah. was also caught out in that telegraph sting on he was, um he was found football bung stuff the telegraph never gave saints any evidence did, did they and not doing my job you know that says a lot yeah that's my view on eric black okay but yeah I, I, they, they do kind of get but even then you do wonder all right maybe we're being too kind on pellegrino here because pellegrino spends his entire life mm. training and watching footballers so he must have known that as soon as I mean, it's, it's not like Giroud Arsenal or a League Two side no. that are playing in a cup, is it? You know, and the, and the Giroud is some unknown seventeen-year-old that's just come out of the academy. Like yeah. he's a, he's an international. You know, he plays in major tournaments. He's incredibly handsome, and uh, he was always going to handsome football. I do. Handsome. It's because it could have been me. No. Uh, <laughs> but he, you know, he he was so obvious what he was going to do. But the positives, we weathered that storm. Yeah, and until they did that, they didn't really look like scoring. So. Again, and what a great save from Forster. Oh, Forster, I think, had a fantastic performance against Arsenal. Still, to this day, Forster's um, greatest ever game, I think, was at the Emirates when we drew 0-0. It's a game that I was there. I was behind the goals. I watched Forster make save upon save upon save. That, he was unbeatable, wasn't he, that day? Incredible. And I think maybe that's why I'm less likely to jump in on the kind of Forster bashing bandwagon, which sometimes happens on, on social media and, and amongst Saints fans in the pubs when we're all chatting with each other. I'm guilty. I've been guilty of that. Yeah. But um, one of the things he's not been able to do is stop shots that come down towards him low. And it didn't get much lower than that shot from Ramsey. Yeah. Oh, what a relief to see him save that. When he yeah. saved that, I was just... It made me feel so happy, not not just yeah. for him, but also for my own nerves. It's like suddenly knowing that Forster can save a, a low shot again. But if you imagine what that does for Van Dyke, what that does for the you know, Yoshida and Stevens, they know that. I th- I do think we've had this crisis of confidence yeah. in Forster, and he appears to be coming out for crosses more. He's always been a bit of a vampire before, so um, it's good to know he, he's he's not scared of crosses. He he just looks a bit more dominant, and I wonder if his confidence is up. Maybe they're training him a bit more. Um, he looks to be the kind of player that 
we've had flashes of in the past. Yeah. Um, so Forster had a good game. Ryan Bertrand, I thought, also had an excellent game. He was a flyer. Yeah. Um, he's a really well. He put a, a wonderful ball through, I think, to Charlie Austin in the first yep. half. Um, he linked up quite well with Redmond on occasions. and Two assists against Everton. Yeah. Also, he had the chance to bury Arsenal. And you've got to say fair play to, I mean, to a left back to be up there as part of a two man. Also, he, he, he wins the header or if he doesn't win the header, he kind of causes a much of a difficulty. It, it does enough. To just to get the ball to Charlie Austin uh, or Tadic, sorry, to, to play him in. Um, yeah, he looks great. He, he, arguably he, he, he should score more goals. Yeah. That's a criticism of him for, for a player that plays so advanced, but um, he's setting up goals. He looks hungry. I think he's realised, I think one of the, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? The law of unintended consequences where someone like Danny Rose, who was England's first choice left back, is now being kept out of the Spurs team Mm. pretty much by a Welsh left back. Luke Shaw is nowhere. All of a sudden, like Ryan Bertrand is going to go to the World Cup as England's first choice left back. Um you know, there's that's that's a real so there's a lot to play for Ryan Bertrand. Yeah, I mean, and also um, Ryan Bertrand has pretty much typically always played part as part of a back four. He's now suddenly being asked to do a little bit more on the kind of back five. He play that wing back position, and I think that chance he had against Arsenal, where he got to the one on one, flicked the ball lovely over check, but just just yeah, it's a tough those. skill to do. I imagine. I mean, as, as fast as it was. Um, yeah, of course, he probably would have done it differently. He might have tried to go past check or, but just to be there, I think was really exciting. And these are the chances that we weren't creating two months ago. Yeah. We weren't. And sooner or later, we're going to really tonk someone. Um, I'm kind of hoping it'll be Leicester. Yeah. Uh, on Wednesday. Do we, do we want to talk about that? I mean, you also wanted to mention Romain. I'd also quite like to mention Pierre Emil Hoiberg again. Yeah, just a shout out to Romeo. He seems to have kind of got back in that team. And against Everton, he was brilliant. Oh, sorry, against Arsenal, every single, how many shots did he block? How many passes you know, did he intercept? He, he looked a bit like Lamina. Yeah. You know, maybe Lamina's, and also I think maybe he thought, I'll play with Lamina. And now the manager's saying, well, I'm not going to play both of you because I've got yeah. Hoiberg, I've got Davis, I've got Ward Prowse. So suddenly there's a bit more Suddenly competition. there's competition in the same way that Romeo forced uh, Victor Wanyama to up his game. Yeah. Maybe Lamina's going to force Romeo to up his game. And, yeah. And, and you were talking earlier about our squad. Yeah. And, and, um, yeah, Romeo had that chance, hit, hit the crossbar. And, uh, Pierre Emil Hoiberg, I thought again, had a really good game. And this is where I think it's really exciting. Who the, do we have on the bench? But the lung, sorry, just Hoiberg, the lung busting run. Oh, to oh, stop to cut, it to cut the ball out love that yeah everyone loves that so a fan loves that sort of you know, last ditch sprinting I mean the amount of times you see um, I think Alan Shearer kind of quite often falls into doing the same old sort of stuff on match of the day but that is the kind of thing that they always love on match of the day oh you know when a player like runs runs their heart out it makes a stop and they always hate it when players are just kind of like casually walking back because they've given yep. up and, and it does show, you know, if you if you do chase those things down, you sometimes get the opportunity to stop it all happening. But in doing so, Hoiberg probably booked his place in the Leicester lineup. Mm. You know, like he he shows that he's got so much to his game, and I, I think you're absolutely right. Fans love to see that stuff. Yeah, but maybe he hasn't guaranteed his spot in the Leicester in the Leicester lineup because the competition for places suddenly feels quite fierce. Well, you pointed out earlier. Well, g- tell me what you said earlier about our bench. So 
on our bench, we have Gabby Adini. We have Shane Long. We have uh, Stephen Davis. We have Sofiane Buffal. We have Mario Lamina. Um, Hoot has been dropped. Uh, you know, Cedric Suarez has still to come back from, from injury. Um, Josh Sims started oh, training again. Josh Sims. You know, we, we suddenly have a bit of fierce competition for, for places. There's a squad and, there. Yeah. And, yeah. and actually we've seen over the last four games, good use of the squad. We've seen different players come in at different times and do different jobs. And, you know, Ward Prowse had a stinker against Bournemouth, but then he did a good job against Arsenal. Jack Stevens been from nowhere. Comes in, plays. Jack Stevens has not has he even played a minute under Pellegrino. I don't don't think he had. Has no, he? I mean, I, I think may, maybe a few here and there, but cer- certainly hasn't been a big part. Comes in from the cold, does really well. Pierre Emil Hoiberg, nothing until the game against Everton. Comes in, potentially man of the match. Yeah. Um, there, and I think he actually did get man of the match against Arsenal from he Franny did, Bernali. Yeah. Um, who the, was the doing, doing the commentary? Um, it was nice to have a, a Saints commentator, though, wasn't I it? I don't like, think he was meant to be there, was he? No, so whoever was meant to be there. Owen Hargreaves. Yeah. Oh, was he? Yeah, got stuck in the snow apparently. So they called Franny up. Uh, yeah, no, it was, it's great, and I think you're right. The squad. It always makes you wish that we'd taken the, maybe that Caribou Cup game against Wolves a little bit um, more seriously. So they'd had a few more games. Yeah, because I think we saw last season the you know, the impact of a good cup run. And mm. we've got that squad. Um, you know, we've got enough players. And I think we'll see on, on Wednesday, you know, you probably will see like a Lamina come back in yeah. starting 11. Because there's a lot of games for people to play. And I suppose one of the issues as well is that when, when you don't have something like the Carabao Cup or the Europa League to rotate your squad, players like Hesketh, players like mm. Josh Sims, who are kind of like there and probably going to be in the under 21s under 23s they're not going to get the opportunities at, at the moment with the competition so so fierce yeah and that's a shame i think uh players like hesketh and sims would you know would love a chance in that team uh, particularly hesketh when talik wasn't playing well and I, I don't think you can probably compare the two uh just yet but you know hesketh is clearly a talent um yeah. Yeah, you're right. And I think now it does kind of leave it all up to the FA Cup, which unfortunately the big boys do take quite seriously. Yeah. Um, I think Southampton at the moment are just a little bit of form, perhaps a little bit of sharpness away from starting to be a really good side again. And uh, I think it's a shame that it's taken us all the way to December to start seeing a better Saints. It w- my God, it would have been better if we'd started the season like yeah. this. I think we would... We would you know, be good contenders for getting up into the Europa League positions. I, I think seventh, eighth place, we would certainly be in the, be in and around it. I, I think if we'd maybe char- start with Charlie Austin, mm. um, you know, he probably wouldn't be still playing every game now. But I think we would have put some of those what we'd consider easier games against the like the Swansea's. Yeah, uh, we'd have put them to the sword. Um, so we've got Leicester at home on Wednesday. We have the return of Claude Puel. Who will get booed, but... Do you think he's going to get booed? I was yeah, wondering about Yeah, because football this. fans are like that, aren't they? But I don't think he deserves it. No, I, I think he deserves a warm round of applause. I mean, he, he didn't... He, I mean, he didn't leave... Like, he basically got sacked. He got moved on by, by Saints, um, despite doing a you know relatively good job. I, I don't mean, know what more... I mean, we've spoke about this, but... I don't know what more Saints fans, yeah, or the club wanted from him. Oh, they, they wanted him to finish in the European places. Yeah, well, I mean, and they, more goals. They wanted sexy football as well. Yeah, but 
But even even then, you know, maybe maybe it wasn't Puel's fault that players couldn't hit Cazals or the banjo. Mm. And I mean, Puel kind of implied when he joined Leicester that Leicester would be fine because they have better strikers than Southampton. Yeah. Well, I mean, we you know what would we do with a, uh, with a Jamie Vardy? Um, you know, Riyad Mahrez is kind of our beef out, but it's Riyad, Riyad Mahrez does it every week. So yeah, yeah uh, I think you'll you'll see a really good game on Wednesday. It's kind of weird because there's nothing to play for, but also everything to play for. I I kind of think I, I've been fairly. I was feeling a bit more confident against Arsenal. Um, I thought we might get a result against Bournemouth. Uh, I thought we'd we would give ourselves a decent showing at, at, at Man City. Um, I don't know. I I could kind of see Puel doing a little bit of a number on us here. Oh, I can one nil, Mares. That's yeah. it. Yeah, I I can see that. I think. But they've not lost in something like nine games. I think out, they've, they've picked up them since he joined. They've picked up the most points outside of like Man City, Man United, Liverpool. Oh, so really? they're they're on a really good run of form. And and if we can get a win, that's a big result. Yeah, big result. I mean, you you were saying to me before we started recording, they have to lose at some point. Is it going to be they Wednesday? Do. You'd hope so. Yeah, I'd like so. I mean, yeah, I think they've only lost one game in the kind of nine that he's had um and you think they'll have to lose at some point Vardy um at the weekend did look very tired so whether they'll rest him and they're a bit like Saints and they've got one great goal scorer and then their second string forwards aren't up there which I'll definitely go now regret saying Leicester aren't um necessarily that that kind of different from Saints really I don't think in terms of kind of personnel squad strength I think the season they won the league it could have been us like you, you, like man for man, yeah. They did not have better players than us. Maybe Mares was inspired, yeah. And Kante, and Kante was unbelievable. Yeah, but a level above Romeo, yeah. But you know, they they should be an inspiration to Saints. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I had a lot of Saints players in interviews after Leicester won the title, saying, you know, that's what we've got to aspire to. You know, they, they've proved that it is possible for, you know, a decent squad albeit not a top six kind of budget squad, can actually go out there, beat the big boys. I mean, we know we could have easily have beaten Arsenal. We could actually have nearly have beaten Manchester City. You know, we, we know that there are wins against a, the, the big teams there. It's a game of fine, fine margins, yeah. isn't it? And, um, you know, we just need to start turning. Some of those things aren't going against us. Those Ryan Bertrand chances, we need to kind of start turning them in our favour. Yeah, and, and maybe kind of... um actually doing a, a couple of those defensive header clearances would we'll, we'll be pretty good as well. Yeah. So, Tom, can I can I push you for a prediction against Leicester? Obviously, we'll win. Uh, I'm going to predict a 1-0 win for Saints. Tight 1-0 win. Okay. Um, I was just looking back at a uh, tweet from Andrew H2K17. Um, a few weeks ago, he, he asked everyone for their score predictions for the games from Liverpool uh, on all the way up to Huddersfield. You've done pretty well on this. Um, yeah, I, I've done fairly well. And in that, I predicted that we would beat Leicester 2-1. So I'm going to have to stick with my original prediction. Well, you've been pretty mystic Meg-like on your other predictions in that thread. So yeah, I don't I mean, see, I don't see it, why you deviate. It's, it's not been totally accurate. I thought Liverpool would beat us 2-0. Obviously, they beat us 3-0 you know, correct result. I thought we'd beat Everton 3-1. We beat them 4-1. Again, correct result. Score was off. I thought Man City would beat us 2-1. They did. They did. Sadly. 
Um, I thought we would beat Bournemouth 1-0. That's one one goal away there. Oh, so I got, didn't get that one right. I thought Arsenal would beat us 2-1 and we drew 1-1 with that one. So, yeah. It's pretty good. It's, it's not, I mean, I guess, I don't know how good Mystic Meg is at football predictions. But, She's um, surprisingly good. Yeah. Yeah. It's that crystal ball. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm going to go 2-1 Saints. Uh, I really hope that we beat Leicester, although I wouldn't be too surprised if Corpwell gets one over us. On us. Um, the next game that I'm going to, though, however, is the one at Stamford Bridge. On Saturday, very jealous of this. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. We could get... I haven't I haven't been to Stamford Bridge for quite a long time, you know. I think the last time I went to Stamford Bridge they had wooden seats. Yeah, it's gonna be different now, I'll tell you. Uh, that. And I think they had a car park at one end of the pitch. Do you remember that? Yeah. I think it was mid nineties, maybe. Yeah, we it. used to go. Yeah. We used to go and um it's just one of those quite old hooligan grounds. Yeah. I remember my dad kind of um uh, we were kind of in the Chelsea end. And uh, we did, my brother and I, um, perhaps didn't didn't quite bottle in our celebrations uh, when we scored particularly well. My dad, I remember, was pretty, um, should we say, scared, intimidated by by the the Chelsea supporting chaps around us. Yeah, my my uh, my dad was a policeman. Uh, uh, he used to do police work at Chelsea in in the shed uh, doing the, with the hooligans. So yeah, he used to say it was quite a terrifying place to be. Yeah. Anyway, um, that game, I'd love to see us get a result. We, we do sometimes, we do Yeah, we've got good history, we've got results of getting, uh, we've got a history of getting results against Chelsea and... I mean, this is the kind of game not, though that you want James Beattie back for. He always yeah, did well at Stamford Bridge. Maybe Anders Fenson. I think um, they, they don't look, they don't look like, they're certainly not the team from last year. No. Um, and they do appear to have kind of conceded the title now as I think everyone has to. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, because I guess there's still a lot to play for, but um, yeah, it'll be fascinating to see. Because I guess that, cause that that kind of game is, is, is it, we would look at it now, I think it's possibly winnable. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously midweek action, but obviously we've got midweek action as well. It's a bit of a shame this one doesn't come under after a Champions League match, because I think if it came after a Champions League match, I, I would I'd back us to get a result. I think it's going to be difficult. Murata looks like a hell of a player. I mean, yeah. he just, I mean, again, I don't want to get a pattern here, but God, he's handsome. <laughs> I'm looking at my prediction here in response to Andrew. I put that this game was going to be 2 2. I think that was maybe a bit confident and a bit cocky. If we could score two goals away at Chelsea, that's a hell of a good result. Um, yeah, we'll wait. I, I mean, do you remember the game, was it, with Stephen Davis and Sadio Mane? Was and it Graziano Pella. Oh. oh, it was a great game, that was. Let's have one of those. That was brilliant. John Terry put on his ass by Sadio Mane. Yeah, that was great. That was when they were in that real funk with yeah. Mourinho. It was brilliant to watch. Um, so then after Chelsea, we have a run of fixtures. Huddersfield, Tottenham, Manchester United and Palace. That takes us up to the end of the year. Um, Huddersfield, Tottenham, Man United, Palace. I think there's two winnable ones in there and two that perhaps are going to be yeah. more tricky. Although Spurs at home, uh, Sp- I mean, uh, they're home. Uh, anything go... Oh, actually, no, they're, they're steamrolling people now, aren't they? Mm. They're actually starting to do that again. Yeah, I, I mean, if you'd said six points from those games, you would take that. Yeah, if you, if you offer me six points from I mean, you've got, you got to say, you've got to think they'll get three points at home to Palace. Um, and you should expect them now. Huddersfield don't look, look like they're struggling a little bit now. Yeah. Um. Say, so, I think on the whole, a little bit more positive 
the last well probably a lot more positive a lot more last, positive last time we spoke you know i don't no one's questioning the tactical now the manager no one's questioning the desire of the players and no one's questioning whether we can score goals well that's that's a relief isn't it that's what we need to do i mean th- those were all genuine questions a few weeks ago i really it, it, it sounds melodramatic but well if we weren't scoring goals there was a chance we could get relegated particularly yeah. when brighton and huddersfield were looking pretty good because um, you'd expect them just to get tonked every game. Yeah. Thank God for Palace, I say. And Swansea. Yeah. yeah, and thank God for Benteke forcing himself upon that penalty. <laughs> um, t- funnily enough, I kind of think Palace are almost more likely to do a Leicester. Do you remember the season when they did their great escape before yeah. they won the title? I think Palace are, are better than their points suggest. Swansea look pretty dire. Swansea look pretty dire. West Brom. West Brom looked pretty West Brom dire. with no real... Go- I mean, Rondon's a good player. Jay Rodriguez we love, but isn't... Yeah. You know, they lack a real... I mean, at least Swansea have got Bonnie. Yeah. Palace have Benteke. Yeah. I I think for Saints, we've seen a little bit of a fight. We've seen a little bit of tactical now, so I think it's now time to see a few more points on the board. Uh, wouldn't it be great if we just got three points on the board against Leicester on Wednesday? I think that'd make a huge, huge difference for the in terms of confidence. We'd go Take, to Chelsea and think they can yeah, win. I mean, the pressure would be off going to Stamford Bridge. Yeah, you're right. Um, and whereas if we don't get the three points against Leicester, we're going to be looking at trying to scrape a point at Stamford Bridge. You know, Which you don't want to be doing. Pressure on. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it puts an awful lot of pressure on the game against Huddersfield, where actually you'd much rather be going into that match feeling a bit more relaxed, being able to play, express themselves a bit more. Well, you've got to think, I mean, Huddersfield is the game where we could finally bag a load of goals, you'd hope. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel really optimistic. Okay, great. Well, I think that's a, that's a fantastic way to finish the podcast. You're optimistic. You're about to get married next year. You've just Yay. celebrated your birthday. Um, hooray. Let's crack on. Right. So thank you very much for listening, everyone. If you've stuck with us all the way to the end for us having a a much more enjoyable uh, podcast recording session this time than perhaps some of the more recent ones. Of course, if you want to get in contact with the podcast, please do so on Twitter at Saints FC Podcast. Email us saintsfcpodcast at gmail.com. Get onto iTunes and give us a review and maybe we will read that out on the next episode um and i've just interviewed michael svensson earlier today when Killer, are you going to get that online you know? do you think that's going to be that's lots of reaction on twitter lots of excitement about that yeah i did manage to pretty much ask every single one of the the questions that people sent in including the one would you prefer forks for arms or that's spoons for legs the big one so um can't wait to know that yeah Keep your eyes peeled for that. I'll obviously announce it on Twitter. I'll announce it on the Saints uh, web forum. I'll get it on the Reddit page. And of course, obviously the easiest way that you can find out about when the next episode of the Saints FC podcast is to get onto your podcasting app and hit that subscribe button. Um, thank you very much. It's cheerio from me. It's uh, good night from me. Ta-ta. Ta-ta.